Hello, I'm Eric Noden, and you're listening to Talking Blues. Has it been a good summer for you? It has. It's been a good one so far, yeah. Were you involved in the Blues Fest? Oh, you were. I did. I played at the Blues Fest, yeah. yeah. And is that a normal thing? Uh, yeah, well, I've been involved with the Blues Fest since, I think, 1996, because I did a, used to do, I used to do a Blues in the Schools program right. with Blues Fest, so I did that for many, many years, and, uh, but yeah, the last few years, I just performed on it, you know, but, but yeah, I've been a part of it for many, many years, it's a great festival. So tell me about being a, a musician living in Chicago, and what it means for you to play at the Blues Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, being a musician in Chicago is, uh, yeah, it's a great thing. I mean, the, I came here because there's such a rich, you know, music scene and so many different um, artists and, and whatnot here that inspire me, you know. So um, it's really, uh, it's a great place to be, I think, for anyone who's in the sort of arts world. And, uh, yeah, the Blues Festival, um, I first got involved in that, I think it was 1996, when I backed up um, Lane Wilkins, who is Reverend Robert Wilkins' granddaughter, and so they had asked me to, to uh, accompany her, so that was the first time I played on the Blues Festival, and yeah, every time I do it, it's it's a thrill, and it's an honor, it's, it's just a great festival you know outside it's free it's it's summertime which we don't have too much of in chicago (laughs) so people go crazy they go yeah you know um you come from ohio that's true tell me about growing up in ohio i grew up in northeast ohio not too far kind of in between cleveland and akron and uh and yeah i really uh, got into playing guitar through my through my dad because he plays guitar and plays a little bit of acoustic blues and whatnot and uh professionally or just just for fun just for fun yeah and uh so yeah he always brought me to different you know teachers because he didn't want me to learn his bad bad habits (laughs) that he possibly may have you know but but it's uh yeah, that's kind of where I started. So I really, I just started as a guitarist, as someone who was interested in in guitar and interested in in music. And um, yeah, I started when I was eight, so I was pretty pretty young, and just kind of stuck stuck to me, I guess you could say. <laughs> did, did your love of guitar come naturally? Was it quick, and were you into it right away? I was, you know, I messed around on, like like on my dad's guitar he had a couple acoustic guitars and uh and then I started actually on electric guitar but yeah once I got got a hold of my own guitar I was really into it I don't, I don't know why but I was obsessed with it <laughs> right away so that yeah yeah so that that uh yeah that's really where I start you know started off in Ohio and 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 there's a great music scene in Ohio. I was more in sort of the, I guess you could call it acoustic music or folk music scene there, you know, because the type of, you know, blues that I play is more folky, more acoustic, more 1920s, 1930s. And so, yeah, I met this guy named Andy Cohen when I was living in Ohio, when I was living in Kent in my early 20s. And he... Uh, introduced me to a lot of different players and styles of sort of acoustic blues. So from an early age, you were right into the blues? Not really. You know, when I started off, I just learned whatever people threw at me because I didn't really, I didn't, oddly enough, I didn't get into guitar or music because I liked a certain particular type of music. I just liked the instrument or something itself, you know, so... Yeah, so I started off just learning from different guys in, in like music stores and stuff. And then I got pretty heavily into uh, classical guitar when I was about 16 or so. 
And I did that pretty uh, seriously until I was probably, I don't know, 19 or 20 or something like that. And you were taking lessons in a conservatory or something? Or? I was, you know, actually I was in a special... I was in a special program where I got to take, I got to study classical guitar when I was in high school. So I, I would drive to the university kind of in the middle of the day from my high school and I would take classical guitar. And so that was great because I got thrown into, and, and you know, at the time I thought I, I thought I was a pretty hot shot, you know, player. And so I had a classical teacher who was like, no, you know, <laughs> you need to go practice, <laughs> go practice. Um, which was good because I needed someone to kind of, you know, not tell me I was great, but, you know, yeah, yeah. help me get better, you know. And uh, so that was kind of where I learned how to kind of use my, my, you know, fingers on the right hand and stuff, which is kind of classical guitar technique and has some relationship to acoustic blues or country blues, rural 1920s and 30s styles, you know. And uh, so, yeah, when I was about... 20 or so I got kind of burnt out on classical music and I realized that that wasn't the path that I wanted to continue down it was just a little too it was a little too uptight for me I was like I want to play for people you know in a bar you know <laughs> be careful what you wish for you know but uh so sorry but before that before you mm -hmm. got burnt out did you think mm -hmm. that that was a career path in terms of like you would pursue becoming a classical guitar player yeah i was i was pretty serious about it i mean i was oh. doing it um i was teaching teaching lessons teaching people how to do it you know doing uh performing in a lot of different you know restaurants and different private events uh recite giving recitals and and concerts and um but yeah so i was going to try to pursue that you know that was definitely what was on my mind for at that point, you know. If if the positive of learning classical music first was giving you technique and allowing you to work with your right hand more, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. was there is there a negative to? And maybe there is no negative, but was there a negative to being a classical musician and then trying to becoming something else like a blues musician? There wasn't for for me, but there can be for a lot of. Of people, I mean, my, mainly because I'm a guitarist, and guitar players are not big note readers. So even when I was taking lessons in the music stores when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten, right. a lot of these guys would just they would just show me stuff or they would sc scrawl it out somehow. But they wouldn't. They weren't all. They did teach me how to, you know, read music. But I think the people that have trouble, like say classical piano players who play their whole life from the notes on the page and then they try to do something like blues which is the total opposite of that you yeah, know yeah, you're, yeah. you're just kind of playing you know chord progression or whatnot so yeah I didn't yeah I wouldn't say there was really any negatives of it you know um but you were able to improvise while you were doing the, like were you working on your improvisational chops while you were doing classical music at all not so much. I mean, there's there's kind of improvisation in it, but the improvisation is more in how you interpret it, you know, the right. freedom you have in the in interpretation. So that's what you would spend more of your time on is like bringing out the subtleties of a piece. Or sometimes there's in, some stuff, you know, like you can have in Baroque or something, you can have these different ornaments where there's different ways you could do it. So it's um, a little bit, but not nearly compared to, you know, blues, which could have a lot of improvisation in it. But I had already done improvisation, you know, with these, you know, guitar, other guitar players, rock bands, you know, playing solos and stuff like that. So it was kind of part of my vocabulary. Before. You didn't lose that. Yeah, I didn't lose it. Or okay. anything. And then what made you burn out? Or what made you reevaluate your pursuit of classical music? I think it was. I think it was just the uh, the clientele, you know, not to be like <laughs> make broad sweeping generalizations of of people. And I mean, there's a lot of you know great people who love and appreciate classical music, but mm -hmm. you know, I realized I think early on that I probably wasn't 
going to be, you know, playing uh, Carnegie Hall every night. I was going to be doing, you know, different jobs, playing wherever you could play, you know. And, and a lot of it was sort of private events. You know, I did a lot of weddings, you know, which was high pressure because you don't want to screw up when someone's walking down the aisle. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I think it was just, it was just the stuffiness of it. And there was a certain element of it where some of these, you know, people who would hire classical musicians for a private party would kind of treat you like you're sort of a, I don't know, like you're the help or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It was just a weird, weird sort of mentality. And, uh, and it's really tough to make a living as a classical musician. You know, you think about, you know, People go out to see blues. People go out to see classical music, but it's just different. And I think it's more difficult. You know, that was part of it, too. I thought it was going to be very difficult to uh, to pull off. Yeah. Was it a moment? Was it a specific moment, or was it a gradual thing where you were thinking about it over a period of time? There was... <laughs> there was a... Well, there was a private party that I played once... I remember I had this like tuxedo shirt on and all this stuff and I was playing these two it was outside I was playing outside I remember I was really I know I, I remember I was really hungry <laughs> and uh and I usually would try not to eat at these things because you know you don't want to hang out you just want to do the gig get get out of there yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and, uh, so are you living but, in Ohio then or this is in Ohio okay. yeah this is all around Cleveland Akron right yeah so I uh so yeah I'm playing at this party and I'm like starving and so you know, this lady, I think, offered me some food at the end of the gig or something. And I said, okay, yeah. And so she brings me this, it was a chicken, I remember. It was a little piece of chicken, okay, and something something other stuff, you know. But I look at this thing, I start to cut into it, and I see it's kind of pink, you know. The chicken's <laughs> kind of pink, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to. I said, so... So I went into this lady's kitchen, and there was all, and all the, you know, the caterers were all in there, you know, all bustling about. And I said, I'm going to throw this in the microwave, and they just gave me this weird look, you know, and uh, so I put the thing in the microwave and I turned it on and, and uh, this lady, you know, the client or whatever, she she comes in, in the kitchen, she's like, what are you doing? You know, I said, well, I'm just heating this, this chicken up. And she said, well, I said, it's kind of pink. And she said to me, it's supposed to be that way. <laughs> and uh, I just remember at that point, I was just like, man, I can't, I can't do, I don't know, it was just this whole... <laughs> This vibe of these people is like, you know, I'm going to like yell at someone or something if I uh, keep doing this. So I, that was kind of a, a breaking point was the, you know, the raw chicken incident. <laughs> <laughs> the raw chicken incident. So you decide, okay, maybe I don't want to do this. Yeah. Are you thinking, what are you thinking next? Or do you know what else are you going to do? Well, I already had the seeds kind of of the acoustic blues stuff. All along, because my my dad, he always had a pretty big record collection, and right. he liked a lot of blues. He liked a lot of acoustic blues, like Lightning Hopkins. He liked Mississippi John Hurt, um, you know, just a, a ton of different stuff. Pink Anderson, um, but he and he was also in. He's also into like guitar pickers, too, like Leo Kotke or John Fahey, and and uh, so yeah, my dad had these records of this music so I was always aware of it and when I burnt out on classical I was like hmm I was like this it kind of it drew me I realized at that point that I wanted and part of it was I learned from classical that I could be a solo musician and that was very freeing to me because I had a lot of a lot of issues with you know all the all the garage rock bands I was in and stuff and you know no one else wants to practice or whatever you know and so you get bogged down in like you know these relationships musical relationships and when I, when I became solo classical I was able to really pursue things you know line up performances I didn't have to coordinate with anybody and so it was a good, good transition I realized you have the same freedom being sort of a country blues musician you know you can do it by yourself you can do it other musicians as well but you're you have that freedom you know so I think that is a big a big appeal to me in, in the style and then also just the finger picking which was similar to classical in a lot of ways the dexterity and stuff that you use you know in that in that sound 
Did you, sorry, were you playing cl- um, blues at all during your pl- classical phase? Like, would you still pick up the guitar and, and do Piedmont blues or whatever in your downtime? Not really. I didn't really get into it till, too heavily until I, um, until I kind of stopped doing classical. I did, I didn't make a recording of actually original compositions that I wrote that were kind of in between. They were more kind of finger picking on a steel string guitar and, uh, I did that maybe when I was 19 or something, but I, and, and at that time I was starting to get into blues and so, but I was writing my own stuff that was kind of classical influenced, you know, but then I realized the blues, what I love about it is just the expression, you know, and that's the thing that classical, there's a great expression, but blues has, there's something about it, you can really put your soul into the music. It's got a different level of, feeling I think was it like immediate you just thought okay here's the now the chicken incident has happened I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna stop doing classical music and and was there like any other thoughts of maybe I should do something else go back to school or whatever or just said I'm just gonna change and become a blues musician I think I don't know how much of a conscious decision it was I think I was drawn I think I was just drawn to the music and around that time I found Andy Cohen and so yeah I kind of quickly became his, his student of his um, as much as that was possible <laughs> and uh, I, I was just kind of hooked on the music I just I loved it and I loved the, the you know the guitar play and the singing everything about it and so for there I was just focused on like how does it work how do I play it and I didn't even really care about can I make a living from this is this you know I don't know something I should pursue I just kind of went for it yeah I just kind of went for it you know just dived into it and uh and then I just started transisting doing you know performances of that you know kind of stuff in a lot of similar some similar places that where I would could play as a classical musician, you know, different cafes and stuff like that, you know, but... Did anything strike you as being very different? Or, you know, so three months later you're playing in the same venue or or whatever. Now you're sitting there playing Mississippi John Hurt songs as opposed to Bach or whatever. Right, right. While you're up there on stage, did you think, wow, this is different? Or was it not like that? Is it still just performing, people listening, people respond? I think it's similar. It's a different. It's got a different vibe to it, cause yeah, cause classical tends to be pretty formal, you yeah. know, kind of kind of audiences and stuff. So, yeah, I think I was by that point in time, you know, cause I've been, yeah, performing, you know, since I started when I was sixteen, I think playing, you know, out playing gigs and stuff. So I've been performing so much for so long that. I don't think any of, you know, that still had a similar feeling to it or a similar comfort level, but the big difference being blues, you got to sing, because I realized I started getting into the blues, and I learned this, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, okay, well, how long can you do that for? That's all the, That's all it is. And I'm like, oh, I guess the reason I like this is because it's got these great vocals on top of it, you know, and, and so then I, you know, spent a lot of time trying to develop my voice, you know, and and uh, in a way, I find my voice, you know, for singing. Cause I was much more adept at guitar playing. Was that difficult? I took a lot of time, a lot of investment, a lot of time, but mostly uh, I wouldn't say it was difficult. But I just recorded myself a lot, you know, so I'd listen to what I sound like, and then, um, which isn't always what you think you sound like, yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then I would just keep keep at it you know but but even even just the act of singing while playing if you're not yeah. used to it would be a difficult thing to do yeah uh, that was that was tricky too i had to coordinate usually i had to t- coordinate the timing of the singing with where my fingers are at you know because i yeah, know yeah. that you know so i'm like <laughs> okay when my thumb is there that's when i gotta start singing this phrase or something you know but um 
yeah, that was a challenge, but, but yeah, I just kind of, that, I just got led into that just because I love the music and I realized, oh, this is a big part of it. At what point did you think, okay, I need to go to Chicago? I don't know if it's related, but I presume mm-hmm. it is. And, and mm-hmm. could you have gone anywhere else? I don't think so. I, in 1993, I guess it was, I had decided I was going to move to a big city because I felt that Northeast Ohio had a great music scene. There's a lot of great musicians. But I had kind of played around most of the places, and I was kind of like, eh. I just didn't feel like I could move forward, you know? And and uh, so I looked at New York City, and I looked at Chicago, because um, I had my aunt at the time lived in New York City, and Chicago just because of, I guess, the blues, and it's, you know, pretty not too far from Ohio. And uh, I ended up, I decided, I went to both places in like, I think it was February or something. Not a good time to like visit New York and Chicago. You know, I was like, I remember, it was really intense. You know, the trains, the the trains are like shutting and there's like snow and ice. and uh, (laughs) But uh, it turned out, yeah, I mean, I liked Chicago. And when I was in Chicago, I had dropped off a, resume at the uh, the Old Town School of Folk Music, because I was already teaching lessons and stuff, teaching guitar, so I kind of thought, well, that could be a good way to, you know, establish myself. So, like, that was one of the first things you did? What's that? <laughs> Drop the, off a resume at Old Town School? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And you were teaching blues guitar? Or In Ohio, yeah, I was teaching blues guitar. By that time... Yeah, I was teaching blues guitar, harmonica. I mean, I would teach any any kind of guitar in Ohio because there wasn't you couldn't afford to specialize, you know. Right. So, so that was crazy because I'd teach one guy Metallica, and then the <laughs> next would be like you know some lady who wants to learn a bluegrass song, and so. But when I came to Chicago, yeah, New York and Chicago, I visited both places, and I decided not decided to go to New York. So I was in New York and. Um, it turned out that the uh, the people from the Old Town School had called my old apartment back in Ohio and said they were looking for a teacher, you know, and my brother had uh, gotten the call. And so uh, right away I called them back, and then I left New York, came to Chicago. Okay. <laughs> I've been here ever since. So I came here really to teach at the Old Town School of Folk Music, and that was kind of my beginnings in 1994. So blues wasn't the primary reason. Like you could have wound up just as well in New York City if you had teaching opportunities. It, it, I mean, yeah, there is definitely, I was aware of the blues in Chicago, you know, blues history of Chicago, of course. Um, but yeah, it was more like I was looking for a better, better, mar- you know, a better market, a better place to be a musician, make a live, you know, make mm. a living as a musician. But there was definitely that appeal. It's like I was in a, you know, Big Bill Brunzi and all this stuff in like you know Chicago and uh, so. But I wasn't like dead. I wasn't dead set on like I have to go to Chicago because I'm into the blues. You know, it was different than that. Yeah. But other than Big Bill Brunzi, is Chicago known for acoustic blues? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, Chicago is not really known right, for okay. acoustic <laughs> blues, which is what I'm into, and so that's kind of uh, you know why what yeah I do is sort of different, but I'm also kind of on the fringes of yeah the mainly electric blues scene you know that we have in in Chicago. You know? Right. But, so, is it difficult for an acoustic artist to try to make a living playing blues in Chicago? Um, not necessarily. I think that, you know, I just, I have sort of a niche, so I play some small amount of blues venues, but I also do a lot of acoustic venues and folk venues and other things that an electric artist, you know, wouldn't have an opportunity to do. But then on the other hand, you know, if you do electric stuff, then you can play different, certain festivals and things where they want, you know, that sort of thing. So, 
but I've always been pretty versatile, you know, and willing to do different stuff. But I, I love the acoustic, so pretty much I stick to that. I'll do it in a band format, you know, or two or three, four pieces. But, but I like the style. That's what appeals to me. So tell me about the Old Town School. I, I know I've been there. Mm-hmm. I know I've been to the Old Town School mm-hmm. festival, music festival. Mm-hmm. But tell me about getting that gig and, and tell me a little bit about the Old Town School. Yeah, so in, in 1994, I got hired by a guy by the name of Michael Miles, who was the educational director at the Old Town School of Folk Music at the time. And uh, yeah, he wanted a finger-picking blues guitar player, so that's kind of what I, what I did was I would teach one-on-one lessons. That's what I started with, but um, it was the best place for me, you know, to come into because there was a a bunch of, a lot of acoustic musicians, not all blues musicians, but acoustic musicians and a whole scene of, whole community of, you know, people. So it was great. Right away I met, I met people who were like, yeah, come to my open mic and you can play a song. Maybe you can get a gig here, you know, and uh, so everyone was very, very friendly to me and I was able to, at that point, specialize in like, I just teach acoustic blues, you know, I'll, I'll teach someone who doesn't know anything about guitar, but you got to learn acoustic blues, <laughs> <laughs> which I wasn't able to do back in Ohio, you know, so. But are you just giving out, like, are you hired and it's just based on lessons or is this like a full-time gig and you have nine to five slots that you fill in? How, do, <laughs> how does that work? It's lessons when you do private lessons you just kind of try to basically you just make certain days and hours available and then they try to fill those okay. those times now i ended up doing a lot of different things at old town so by the time i got in the thick of it i was teaching like probably 20 20 to 30 private lessons a week i would teach these i used to teach like 6 or 7 of these classes for like toddlers, these like music classes, you know, called Wiggle Worms. And, uh, and then I would teach guitar classes too, just like basic guitar class. And then I had a class in jug band music, I think was another one. I had a jug band ensemble. So I had a lot of different sort of things going on that I would do. But yeah, it was basically my, it was basically my full-time uh, job, you know, at the time. That was my main main thing and then I would do gigs of course too you know so what does teaching do for you I enjoy it because it forces you to really define what you know you know it's it's one thing to know something and have it be able to say play a song really great you know but it's a whole nother thing to be able to like explain that song you know, yeah, break yeah, it yeah. down and so you realize you know what you how you know how to bring something unconscious you know kind of into conscious realm and and break it down and so I enjoy that part of it myself and I just enjoy kind of you know helping people you know discover music you know and 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 you know break it down simplify things you know um, but yeah I've enjoyed, I've done a lot yeah a lot of teaching all different kinds of teaching all different ages and places and stuff yeah. it must be rewarding after doing it for so many years to see some of your students who've gone on and hopefully gotten better and done some very musical things yeah you never know you know I was probably like oh, this was probably already 20 years ago I was walking to the grocery store in my neighborhood when I lived in Roscoe Village and uh, this guy comes up to me in the parking lot he's got like He's got like a mohawk. He's got like no, you know, rings, nose rings in his ears and stuff, like tattoos and stuff. He's like, hey, he's like, you're Eric, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm Eric. He's like, I used to take lessons from you at Woodsy's Music back in Kent, Ohio. <laughs> and he was like, now I'm in a band. I'm on tour. He was on tour with like a punk band or wow. something, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool when you see, you know, someone uh, do, you know, do something. But for a lot of people, it's just... They just want to play music to enjoy it for their own self enjoyment, right, right. which I think is totally, you know, valid and, and 
so I enjoy, you know, helping people like that just as much as someone who's uh, wants to be a professional, Parker. you know. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like when you got here, the people were very helpful in, in getting you gigs and opening doors. Mm-hmm. Is it basically that? I mean, is it is it easy to come into a new city like Chicago and try to establish yourself? Oh, I think it could be it could be pretty tough, you know, like. I guess, yeah, what I was saying about Old Town and why, why I was lucky because I kind of fell into right. a very open community of people. Um, but, for instance, when I was in New York City, I was trying to, you know, meet some people. And, you know, I'd, I'd call these, I think I'd call these numbers I'd find in the, uh, whatever it was, the uh, the village voice, you know, right. you know, harmonic. And everyone was very, like, protective they were like you know sorry i can't help you you know they they were paranoid that you know someone was going to steal their gig i think or whatever you know and uh so i didn't so i could i could see how he, like if i would have stayed there i'm sure i would have met people eventually right but it, there's a bit of a you know shell to kind of crack through you know and and i think chicago could be just like that yeah, if you're yeah. an outsider and you just came in here and tried to meet people, you know, and stuff. Yeah, it could take time, yeah. And then so you pursued your teaching as well as your solo career. Yeah, pretty much playing ac- solo acoustic blues. And yeah, teaching uh, teaching lessons and stuff at Old Town. Um, Are you still affiliated with Old Town? or I do some workshops there occasionally, but yeah, I don't teach there full time anymore. So yeah, I was doing that, and then kind of as I got more performing opportunities, I would sort of, you know, adjust my teaching schedule, and and you know now I'm kind of in the opposite position of where I used to be. Now I do more performing, recording, touring, and you know a smaller amount of the teaching. Right. Know, so, tell me when you came here, what goals you might have had. What goals did I have? Hmm. <laughs> I guess uh, pay the well, rent. Survival, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Survival would be the would be the uh, the prime the prime one. You know, um, I think I just wanted to. I mean, I was really happy just to be able to you know play the to pursue this music that I love. You know and make a living at it. I mean, kind of like I told you earlier, you know, when I first got interested in this stuff, I didn't really have an intention of like, oh, I'm going to be an acoustic blues performer, you know. And uh, so, yeah, just being able to teach and survive and, you know, know people that play similar types of music and stuff, um, it was pretty great. Yeah, it was a good, good place to be in, you know. And I was at the time doing a lot of transcribing too, so I'd spend a lot of time for my own purposes and for students' purposes, just kind of like figuring stuff out, you know. So just being able to do that, you know, it was great. So I wonder, moving to Chicago, whether you're an acoustic artist or not, Mm -hmm. you're surrounded by legends, right? And other. Major Chicago blues players. That's true. That's so, and I know you've worked with some of them, I, mm-hmm. I, and I, I know that you've done research and you do studies mm-hmm. and you do blues in schools and whatever. You've mm-hmm. done interviews with them. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. me about that aspect of being in Chicago and and learning the blues from some of these people. Yeah, that was yeah one of the best things I think for me personally as an artist about moving to Chicago is just that it raised the bar, you know, cause like I was probably one of the better, you know, musicians in my town, but you come to Chicago and yeah, you have Buddy Guy and, you know, Coco Taylor and Billy Boy Arnold and um, just so many great, you know, top tier mm-hmm. musicians. So yeah, I, that um, always, appealed to me and always has helped me grow as an artist to get to see a lot of these people perform and what they do you know and how it's such a high level and um are they are they open with sharing things with you um well it just depends you know i think uh 
Uh, you know, Billy Boy Arnold, I mean, he's been very generous with me, and uh, I've gotten to have a really great relationship working, you know, working with him on the, on the uh, Billy Boy Arnold Sings Big Bill Brunzi record that we did for uh, Electrofy. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me about that experience. Tell me uh, that started off. Did it start off in the Old Town School? Is that how it, it worked? started off in the Old, old Town School? I arranged a concert. So that was one. Of, so one of my motivations after I got to Old Town was to, of course, hang out with these all these cool blues musicians right. musicians in Chicago and learn from from them. Unfortunately, the kind of stuff I wanted to learn mostly wasn't really played. You know, there's a few guys around and I would try to you know seek out seek out the older musicians and somebody I think it was Michael Miles that told me about Billy Boy because I would was arranging this kind of afternoon blues concert and uh and then we decided to do this tribute to Big Bill Brunzi concert because Big Bill Brunzi was associated with the founding of the old town school he came and taught a class there on the opening night and stuff and uh, so there was these connections so uh yeah so basically i i kind of hired billy boy to be on this on this show mainly with the motivation that i get to hang out and and (laughs) practice with him hopefully you know and uh and he was really cool he was like yeah he came over to my apartment at the time and i think we just rehearsed once you know and uh and, he, and what I liked about him, too, is he's really historical, and he mm-hmm. knows the history. So he, even though he doesn't really play the style in a way that, you know, most interests me, he's, he's more of a 50s blues artist, but he appreciates and knows about the big Bill Brunsies and the Sonny Boy Williamsons and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, so that was great. So we didn't, I met him, we went, we did this concert. The concert was recorded on a cassette tape on off of the board um, at the gig and like a couple years, and that was in like 97 maybe I want to say something like that 97 maybe 98 and uh, years and years later like just maybe 2010 or something now going back uh, Andrew Galloway from Electrofy Records contacted me and said hey uh Billy Boy sent me this tape of this show, you know, and and uh, he really liked it, you know. He wants to he wants to release it, you know, this Brunzi show, and um, which I mean, yeah, it turned out to be a blast because I was you know, playing all these tunes with with Billy Boy, most a lot is a duet, and then coupled with upright bass and stuff, and but the quality of it wasn't so hot. And some of the backup musicians on it, they were talented musicians, but we didn't rehearse or anything. It was kind of a hodgepodge, you know. And uh, so, yeah, so I said to him, yeah, let, let me, uh, I said, let me redo it. I said, I know all the people I can make this record, a cool recording of these songs, you know. And uh, and then I think he came back to me and he said, nah. Billy Boy doesn't want to do it. He's not interested. <laughs> I said, okay. And uh, so then maybe a month later, I ran into Billy Boy at a club, and, and he said something to me like, oh, yeah, did Andrew talk to you? And I said, yeah, I didn't really like, you know, the quality of it. I mean, I liked the performance, but not the quality of this cassette. I said, I thought we should do it, record, you know, record it again or whatever. Um, and Billy Boy said, Okay, <laughs> so, so yeah. oh, that's easy. So then we were so all of a sudden just by sort of a yeah, happenstance, uh, running into him, this whole thing sort of happened. So yeah, so that was in two. I think it was two thousand eleven that we went into the studio and uh, and that was great because I spent a lot of time with Billy Boy beforehand. You know, just rehearsing finding the right key for the songs and and so it was a great experience to uh you know work with work with Billy Boy and he's just got so many great stories you know about all these Bo Diddley and you know all these different artists what what I like about 
talking to somebody like Billy Boy, especially him, mm-hmm. is that you realize as much of a legend that he is in the blues, he's he's a huge fan. Right. You know, and when he right. talks about Bo Diddley or whatever, mm-hmm. like you know that he's speaking from fans' point of view as much as a musician's point of view. Right. But right. you know, and he's just kind of taken back by that because he's like, yeah. oh really? And then he tells his stories about Sonny Boy or whatever and you know, like he's right there as a fan and it's cool. It's <laughs> yeah. cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Boy's really real treasure. Yeah. But yeah, so Billy Boy and then you know, I have to spend a little bit of time with Honey Boy Edwards too, who is kinda of more in the older mm-hmm. school blues, you know, and I'd check out like Sonny Land Slim, uh Erwin Helfer is another guy who's uh friend of mine plays the old style of you know the boogie woogie and barrel house kind of piano stuff um henry townsend from st louis i got to see him at the blues festival brownie mcgee you know so i i really tried anytime i could see any of the guys from that because now there really isn't there really aren't any many left you know because no. just the era of blues that interests me most you know 20s and 30s it's like yeah they're getting up now there. yeah now the guys from the 50s are the are the elders of the blues yeah. you know basically and whatnot but are you encouraged or are you concerned about the future of the blues from a perspective of a, a musician making a living in chicago playing blues um i think i'm in terms of what artists are doing, I'm I'm very impressed. You know, there's a lot. There's a new wave of acoustic blues artists that I mean are coming out that's been really great. Um, you know, with like John Tavius Willis and uh, Blind Boy Paxton, and 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 so it's cool. There's a bunch, yeah. There's this wave of new you know younger musicians who are playing this music and playing it well that are out there um i think maybe one of the challenges of of blues in general is probably the audience because i think a lot of the audience for blues from what i've seen worldwide tends to be folks who are you know definitely over 50 you know Mm -hmm. and so you kind of have to wonder what's gonna is there a younger audience that's gonna pick up you know get interested in in blues I did see that in Brazil. In Brazil, there's like 20-year-olds that listen to blues, which is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear pockets. Like, I hear yeah. Turkey is like that. And yeah. I hear other places, there's a, a much younger audience for blues. But but it does make you, you know, especially going to some festivals, and you look around and you think, this is a very old crowd. Right. You know. Right. And, I mean, it's it's... Uh, yeah, it's a little bit younger. I mean, the crowd that's even a little bit older is kind of like the folk crowd, you know, which I also am familiar yeah, yeah. with that, too, because of the acoustic music that I play. And, yeah, the blues crowd's a little bit younger. But, yeah, I guess it's a matter of, yeah, who's going to be the audience for the music? Or as a musician, I just think, hmm, how do you remarket it? Mm-hmm. Remarket it, you know? I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what you call it as long as people listen to it, you know? I know that, you know, in the past, people have said, well, every 10 years, somebody new comes along and brings in a newer crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's happening. Also, because I think, you know, the way hits are made or whatever is a lot different. Radio doesn't play a big part. You don't right. have big rock stars or whatever anymore. Right. And and so you don't have the Stevie Ray Vaughan coming along and bringing yeah. younger kids. So I do wonder. I mean, the other side is from your past life of being classical musician, in classical music, it seems like people just come to it at a certain age. Do you know what I mean? They don't seem to be as worried about the fact that the audience base is old. Right. Because for whatever reason, when people reach a certain age, they tend to go to classical music, and they're always at an older age, but they tend to all be there for whatever reason. Right. Well, and it also seems to be kind of cultural circles, too. If you're yeah, yeah, those yeah. cultures grow up in those with you know folks who listen to classical music but yeah i don't know it's it's interesting i mean it'll, it'll be interesting to see where you know what happens in the next you know 10 or 15 
years, but I mean, it seems seems to be going strong. There's definitely a lot of great artists out there, and uh, you know, we just have to find, you know, introduce the music to new people. I think that's important. You know? Yeah. But, so in your travels, um, when you go to Brazil, when you go to Europe, mm-hmm. are you introduced as a Chicago mu- musician? A lot of times we are, yeah, we put Chicago on, yeah, in a lot of our publicity material. I mean, yeah, but it can be yeah, misleading because, like, as you know, we don't play, or I don't play Chicago blues, really, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, generally... It's pretty important to indicate that yeah, you're from the United States, you know, or from someplace in the United States. It adds to your appeal, I think, as a musician over there. And what surprises you when you go out to different countries and play your music? Ah, uh, just the different attitudes, the different, you know, I guess way that people listen to and consume music. I mean, I've always been impressed with the Europeans because I feel like they have a real concept of like a concert or something like even a you know people really focus on the on the music you know really listen to the music um and so there's that sort of concert like feeling that you get in a lot of the venues and and from the audience you know and also, I've been impressed with just people educate themselves a lot about blues in, you know, Europe and some of these other mm-hmm. places. That I, you know, a lot of times people know more about the history of the music and stuff than your average, you know, maybe American would or something because they're really interested in it, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I always get the feeling that in, in Europe people treat it more like an art. And there's, there's a, a, a lot more respect for musicians of all genres yeah i think so i think so there's you know there's it's it's yeah it's just a different uh it's a different mentality i think there's a lot more music that's kind of i guess what you would call background music you know here in the u.s i mean and i enjoy playing that kind of stuff too you know sometimes it's fun to play when people aren't paying rapt attention, you know, at a certain, that's when you can practice, you know, your new song or whatever. But it is, it is a great thing. I mean, ideally, it's great when people are paying attention, they get your music, and they're more likely to, you know, buy your CDs and stuff because yeah, yeah. they appreciate it as opposed if you're just kind of in the background or, you know. Well, it's interesting you say that because last night I saw mm-hmm. you at, right? at Shaw's. Mm-hmm. And I always mm-hmm. wonder about a gig at Shaw's mm-hmm. because I think most people... I presume go there for food, right? Primarily, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that yeah. would be the number one motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they always have great bands and have for many, many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that there is a certain segment um, in the room that was just locked in on everything you were doing, mm-hmm. and there were other people who were eating and talking. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you deal with that as a musician? You, just, you know, because half the room is right into you; the other half. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah, performance like that, I mean, you might have noticed, you know, I didn't really talk a lot or yeah, anything, yeah. you know, because it just, it just doesn't quite, you know, it didn't quite feel right. But yeah, it's great to, uh, yeah, it's great, you know, it's, that kind of environment is, is fine with me, you know, and I'm used to it. But a lot of it is just knowing what to expect going into it, you know, and uh, and that's typical, a typical mixture at a performance like that, you know, and so it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that people, that some people aren't paying attention at all, you know, that's just, seems natural, you know, in the, in the space. Um, like in Chicago, when you yeah. play, do you, I presume like if you play at Buddy Guys or whatever, you're playing mainly to tourists, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. so than Chicago music lovers. Right, right. Um, yeah, it just depends. That's part of, yeah, Shaw's and Buddy Guys and places that are more close to downtown tend to have that sort of tourist, you know, element to it. So, which is nice because you get sort of a fresh, enthusiastic crowd every time you play. You you don't have to invite your same 10 friends to come out to the (laughs) show. But do you approach it differently, playing-wise? I... 
Not too much. Not too much. I mean, I always, I'm always reading the room. So like, you could have, I could have play it, buddy guys. One, you know, this week and next week, and it could be two totally different experiences. Right. Maybe, maybe the first week, a bunch of people come in from a convention and it's just, rah, you know, a party, you know. So there's a certain kind of thing I'd play for that, you know. Probably wouldn't play too many quiet songs or whatever, you know. And then. Uh, the next week, maybe you get more blues fans, and so it become it becomes more of a concert, you know. But I guess the main thing I do is just don't I don't have any sort of preconceived, you know, notions for the most part. You know, I just go into it and see where the crowd, you know, leads me or what the vibe is. You know, if it's quieter, then I might talk more, you know, or talk more about the songs and stuff. You know? So I asked you before about having goals when you first arrived in Chicago, <laughs> and it was survival back then. Do you have <laughs> right. goals now? I think so, you know. Um, I don't really, like, write them down or anything, but I, I think I'm always kind of yeah, pursuing moving forward and pursuing writing more songs, you know, playing more gigs, and, um, yeah, I just try to keep developing as as an artist but I think it's kind of my natural instincts I don't have to I don't have to plan it too much because it's naturally what I go after right my final question to you is Mm -hmm. when you look back on that kid who just listened to his dad play blues Mm -hmm. to somebody who's pretty well made a living playing and teaching blues Mm -hmm. how do you look back on all that um it's been a cool journey. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting where things lead you. You know, if you follow your something you're you're passionate about, you know where where it can take you. And um, I mean, I guess I'm lucky too because my yeah, my dad always encouraged me to uh, you know pursue guitar. He wasn't like, oh, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't you shouldn't do that. So yeah, I, I've been looking back at it. I feel like I'm really pretty. I've been pretty lucky, you know, to be uh, introduced to music at a good time and then introduced to Chicago at a good time, and uh, it's put me in a pretty pretty good place. Well, it's good to hear. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me.